Welcome to the Animal Control Report with your hosts, Ashley Bishop and Daniel Ettinger. How's it going, Bishop? It's going. I'm back from vacation. Did you uh, just get out of the pool as well? No, I just got out of the shower. Oh. I don't have a pool. <laughs> well, I guess, like, you know, that makes sense why you would have wet hair, huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, weirdo. Couple things to announce. Uh, we're doing an Animal Control Officer of the Year and an Agency of the Year. And I think for us, uh, just having that opportunity to do it where you don't need a membership, you don't have to pay anything, just come on and uh, go to our website, keepinghumane.com forward slash animal control report, and you can find out how to reg- register. Nominate. 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 Yeah. If I nominate you, is that like um, unethical? I feel like it's not legitimate because you don't know how I actually work. If it's anything how you show on the podcast, you're definitely not getting the nomination from me. Uh, this is how we do it around here. Also, check out our social media. I'm watching this little dog, and he's the cutest little guy, but he has separation anxiety, as you can probably hear in the background. Uh, it's funny because we're watching a dog, too. The thing, though, is he's deaf, so I don't know how he knows I'm talking right now. <laughs> vibrations yeah probably i might have to let him in uh check out facebook keep it humane no that one too but also the animal control report uh we're there on facebook and what's the other thing called instagram and then we also have a tiktok page for keep it humane so you can go and see some of the tiktoks that we're doing there don't forget to use the discount code ac report if you purchase anything that'll get you 10 percent off and that's about all the housekeeping stuff you got any housekeeping Nothing other than we'll be together in about two months. Oh, we'll talk about it. We're going to be at TACA again. TACA. TACA. We're going to be in Texas. That, yeah. Because some people may not know what TACA actually means. Yes. The Texas Animal Control Association. Um, Dan and I actually both are going to have classes this year. And I will be there... I'll be flying in on Saturday and leaving very, very stupid early on Tuesday morning. So well, when are you going to be there? Yeah, I'm coming in Sunday and leaving Monday morning because uh, yeah, I got I got to go to I got to go to Connecticut. You know, it's just what it is. What's in Connecticut? Uh, we're doing a training for the Humane Society up there. I'm doing a training for the Humane Society there. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, so I see. leave it. Leave your leave your talk up peeps behind it's okay i know well we'll have sunday into monday so that'll be good we always have a lot of fun and what's the deadline for the nominations november 1st so yeah november you can come reach us in person and talk to us in person about the people you want to nominate if you're in texas i have an idea for this trophy uh, that will not disappoint so you'll want to you'll want to stay tuned for that want to stay tuned for that well, let's jump in. Let's get our guest on, Keisha Farron. Yes. Yes. So Keisha has her own podcast called the Animal Rescue Podcast, and I'd love for you to tell our listeners about it while I let this little dog in my room. Yeah. So the Animal Rescue Podcast, I started a few years ago. Um, so I am originally from Minnesota, moved to Alabama, and um, the animal welfare situation down here is a lot different than it is in the north and so um we just got started with our local shelter first it was donating then fostering 
and um, then helping set up with rescues and doing transports and stuff like that. And the more involved I got with the shelter and rescue, the more I realized I really don't know anything about this. Um, There's so many intricacies and avenues that you can go down. And um, I also found that it was really hard to find information. Um, You know, who do I contact for this? Or how do I get started with, you know, setting up transports or getting connected with rescues? And um, so I just felt like there wasn't a really good place to find all of that information. So I wanted to have a podcast and just be that first stop for people who were curious, but really didn't know who to ask or what to do. Um, So I just wanted to curate kind of different topics, different ideas where people can learn a little bit more about the different avenues of animal welfare, animal rescue. Um, And here we are today. Awesome. How long have you been, how long has the podcast been up? I started in 21, so what, we're going two and a half, almost three years. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> this little dog is amazing. It, it, <laughs> he has I, ADHD. I, well, <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I don't normally have a dog in my, it's an animal control podcast. I don't normally have a dog in, and if you're watching on YouTube, you can see what the dog looked like looks like it's a little cavalier king charles spaniel but his mm-hmm. his teeth got all pulled so he has his tongue just does this the whole time oh baby <laughs> the whole time so okay i digress what do you find is the m- most challenging part of doing your podcast um you know honestly still making contact with people and you know the the nice thing about this is i'm doing kind of the hard work right So the people who come on as guests on my show, the listeners know that they can reach out to those people. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I would say the most challenging part is just still kind of getting in touch with the different groups that I'm really curious to learn more about. Have you had anybody on that you later were kind of like, oh, maybe they're not as rate of a connection as initially thought dan we had that one i don't know if you know who i'm talking about no but you're gonna have to out them here in a second but let her answer first (laughs) no it's not because we talked about it afterwards send me a text Um, i'll I'll out them i don't care oh my god (laughs) (laughs) no i wouldn't say that there's been anyone on that i go oh i um, that might not have been the greatest yet I think, honestly, you can learn something from everyone. So even if it's one where it's like, well, whatever, there's still something that you can get from that or it can still spin off an idea. Um, I mean, there have been some guests that I've had on where it's like, "Mm, it's kind of animal welfare adjacent, but it still gives you kind of an idea of, okay, even if I'm not necessarily interested in shelters or fostering, I'm interested in tech or medicine. So it still gives people something to work with that supports the cause. Can I ask too, as far as like your perspective or thought process, when you hear animal control, like the title, the name, what does that, what does that mean to you? 
So if you would have asked me this before we moved to Alabama, I would have said it's like the dog catcher. You know, you pick up the dog, you take him to the pound. Um, It would have had a more negative connotation. After moving to Alabama and getting involved with the shelter and becoming friends with the animal control officer there, um, I definitely have a different perspective. Uh, Just hearing his stories of the different situations that he's gone out on, um, you know, the, the secondary trauma that animal control officers experience doing this job day in and day out, and it's a 24-7, generally thankless job. So I definitely have a different perspective of animal control officers now than I did in the past. How many people have you been able to, like, utilize once you've reached out to them on the podcast? Um, with Because you're still doing the work with the rescues, right? Yes. So I am... <clears throat> We all know that the animal rescue world has some polarizing characters in it. Um, I'm just trying to be diplomatic here. (laughs) So there have been some changes in the area that I am not currently affiliated with our local shelter. Um, But that said, I do still have a really good relationship with a rescue in Canada. And so if people have, um, you know, an animal was dumped at their house, which is so common here, um, if no one else claims it, then um, I do still have that connection with Canada and we do send dogs up there regularly. So I'm involved in that sense. Um, But I think for the most part at this point, my relationship with the guests that I've had on or the organizations is more of a trying to support them through, you know, shares on social media, donations, things like that. And did you say what your actual, like your normal job is? I am a sign language interpreter. That's oh, oh. nice. Yeah. Have you ever seen the sign language interpreters at concerts? Yes. That, is- that, is, that work is so intense. So I have interpreted one concert in my life. And the amount of preparation that goes into it is intense. Like you have to research the song. You have to get into kind of the mindset of the, the artist and try to figure out the intention of the song and what it's supposed to mean. Um, because generally it's very poetic. And so there's a lot of interpretation just in general of what the song means. So you have to understand what it means before you can actually interpret it. So I've only done it once. I it's it's not the way my brain works. <laughs> is there uh is there tone in sign language? Yeah. 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 Um you know sign language a lot of, you know, like punctuation and expression goes into like the eyebrow movements or um you know little subtle movements in the face can punctuate or give affect or meaning to it can change the meaning of the word have you ever been asked to come out to assist any of your aco friends or anything because of what you do as a sign language interpreter i have not i am actually okay with that at this point 
<laughs> just knowing what I know about some of the more serious calls that they get here. I mean, dogfighting is a thing around here. Hoarding, um, lots of malnourishment, neglect. So I'm okay that they haven't needed to ask me. <laughs> I know I've had to, <clears throat> we actually have somebody who was a former interpreter on our police department. Nice. And there's been, we've got a couple different families around the uh, area that they weren't, the one we had to declare the dog dangerous, you know, so that one I really needed them to understand yeah. the intricacies of that. So I asked her to help me. Um, I do have a really cute story to go with that. Mm. Um, I picked up a stray dog one time and was able to get it back towards its home. But when I approached the house and I rang the doorbell, I noticed that the lights flashed. And the doormat was signed out, you know, instead of saying welcome, it was signed out in hand signals. Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and we had taught my kids baby sign language, so I know very, very little, but I knew enough that when the kids came to the door, you know, I could ask her mom or dad and nice. that I had their puppy and, you know, just little things like that. And mom and dad were hearing, but. Oh, okay. So. Note to the wise, you guys can learn really small little things like the signals for um, cat or dog. And it can, you know, just a simple thank you to somebody that doesn't, uh, uh, can't hear can mean the world to them. Honestly, if, even if you don't know any signs, being okay with writing notes back and forth and sure. being willing to take that extra time is huge. I had a full on um, argument with, uh, a, <laughs> with somebody full on <laughs> argument. hundred percent. That doesn't surprise me. In that a, doesn't surprise me. It was when I worked in Denver and we literally filled out like four sheets of big paper. It was like, and I'm like, uh, the report was her dog. She just would allow her dog to leave, um, without a leash or anything. And then like, everybody in the neighborhood complained on her and she just kept making excuses, making excuses. So when I would write out like, well, we have history of this, it doesn't matter. They, they make fun of me because of this or this. And I'm like, you know, I'm sorry that you're dealing with that. And it was like, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about your thoughts on like how we provide more resources in this industry. And so when I say that, like, the field part portion, the animal control officer, the boot on the ground, obviously is out there kind of doing the day-to-day. -day. So is like the animal shelter and the rescue. It's just a little different. Like people may come to them versus uh, the officer going to them. What are the, one of the things that I'm seeing is lack of resources. There's communities that are vet deserts, right? Like they don't have access to vet care. And if they do, they may not be able to afford vet care. And so what can we do generally as a an industry, right? Like I don't have, I mean, currently I don't have the ability, the funding to like offer scholarships for people to go be veterinarians, but what are some of the things that we can do to encourage that? Uh, so we're making sure that these, these people are, are hitting that. I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but I think at this point, a lot of it comes down to, I mean, vet school is so cost prohibitive. And then if you were to open, say, a spay-neuter clinic, 
it's so much easier for a vet to go in and leave for the day. Like they can clock in and clock out because you're just doing spay neuters all day, right? You're not mm-hmm. dealing with traumatic, you know, car accidents or having to tell someone that, you know what, it's time to put their dog down. Um, I think that trauma too can be prohibitive for people who are interested in entering the field. Like I want to be a vet, I want to help, but you know, all you see is people complaining about vet costs and, um, you know, this vet doesn't care. They're doing this or that. So I think it really has to go back to education and making it more affordable. I mean, not to be one of those people that's like, make it free, but we do need to, as a society, come up with ways to make it where people can actually get into these helping fields and be successful. I mean, you leave vet school with over $100,000 in college tuition bills, and then you're trying to enter the field. You're not making a lot necessarily because you're still new. Um, Medications, equipment, all of that stuff costs money. So it's just really hard for people to be motivated to get into that field. Um, But then also there's kind of the animal owner side of it where we really need to remember that vets are people too. And they got into this field for a specific reason. They wanted to help animals. They wanted to be around animals. Um, It's not like they're trying to screw you out of anything, right? They're trying Mm -hmm. to help your animal. You're, you have a reason to bring it in. So I think there are a lot of things that go into it. Um, I mean, vet school is very expensive. You could also be a vet tech Mm -hmm. and that's really beneficial for the community too. I mean, yeah, you can't necessarily perform these surgeries, but you're providing support to these vets and making it a little bit easier for them to do their work. So, um, I don't know. I think there are a lot of different ways that we can approach this and it just, I think it just requires a little bit more compassion and understanding from society as a whole. Bishop, let me ask you as a vet tech, could there be like, do you have to be a doctor? Do you have to have that doctorate degree? I mean, currently you do, but if we were to create, let's just say we created this movement of somebody else doing spay and neuters, like could a non-veterinarian do just, that's all they did. Neuters, I would say yes. Spays, I would say no. Just because they're more, more invasive, or they're they're so much more invasive, um, especially if we got into saying, I, I used to watch veterinarians come in and do mass neuters um, of our cats, and it would literally take them, knock the cat down, cut open the testicles, pull them out, tie them off. They didn't even. Uh, stitch them they glued them back up and off they went um so that could be done a spay i would say no because you have the concerns of if she's in heat anywhere in her cycle and the blood vessels are more inflamed and that causes more severe bleeding hi muni He's been through the neuter, so he just he's a subject matter expert. I just I would love to see funding. Uh, we talk a lot about 
different things. And I would love to see funding focused on the animal health and safety in our communities at a, at an affordable price. I think if, and this would come down to, um, the legislature because we legally are not allowed to do surgeries, prescribe medications, diagnose, um, or give a prognosis. However, I think, you know, you can get a vaccine clinic Not you might be able to work around it for rabies, but at least distemper vaccines, lepto, Lyme, you know, things like that, um, where you can get it done by a technician. Microchips can be done by a technician. You don't have to have a veterinarian on site. So you could do <clears throat> rabies or vaccine clinics. There'd be the possibility of even having clinics where it might take longer to get results. So typically you go in, you take your animal in, they do a swab of the ear, and you can get the results before you leave to get your medication. Well, I could see clinics where now my dogs are going crazy. <laughs> um, I could see clinics where technicians collect the samples. You know, all, all they do all day is they, they get eyes on the animal. They start the medical reports, whatever. They collect samples, take them back to the clinic to later spend one day just going through all of the samples and going, hey, doc, here, I've got yeast in this one. I got bacteria in this one. What would you prescribe? That would be feasible, too, and I think it would be a money saver. One of the hard things that I've noticed, like I've tried to set up a vaccine clinic here. Um, there was another animal shelter that had a Petco Love grant that they could spread the wealth with right um but we couldn't get it set up the vets in the area i mean we have a ton of vets just in this concentrated little area but they were not interested in supporting it and i think for some it comes down to the idea of it taking away from their business and it's it's the same thing you hear in every city i, I dealt with this in a high affluent high socioeconomic community where veterinarians like literally banded together to avoid yeah. us doing this. And I yeah. said, I said, stop to them. I was, I said, here, here's how you have to look at it. The people that we are targeting will never step foot in your exactly. lobby ever. Right. So why not stop being greedy and help your people? And so that one, that one frustrates me bad. So I actually have a successful rabies clinic. Cause you have rabies. That I run. Well, you know, I at least have my rabies. Damn it, I got to get my rabies booster. Um, sorry, squirrel. <laughs> um, but I do, I do run a successful uh, rabies clinic once or twice a year before licensing is due. Um, but I did run into that a lot. I had vet clinics. Here's the thing. The vet clinic that, run, that helps out at the uh, vaccine clinic still has to maintain those records. So in the number of times where people are like, hey, where did my vaccine get done again? Or I need my rabies certificate. I still have to direct them back to the clinic that did it. So they're still seeing those people come in later on. Mm. Um, 
So, and all we do is rabies and microchip. We do very bare minimum. I'm thinking about trying to expand just a little bit for especially our, uh, <clears throat> let me say this correctly, unhoused population. Um, but we'll see what comes of that in the future. The, the vet clinic I work with has been fantastic. They give me two to three hours of their time, um, like two times a year. They bring all their staff in. They get their, um, uh, where they get their rabies vaccines from. They donate the vaccines for us. So I get to give free rabies vaccines and then I do $10 microchips. That's pretty awesome. That is good. So, and then the other flip side to that too is we do have a vet that gets their eyes on some of these animals. And then, you know, sometimes I jot down a note and say, hey, follow up, check on this dog or whatever, because we see that they do need some medical attention. Um, and to any of our listeners, if anybody, I've been running this vaccine clinic since 2015. If anybody wants, any ideas on how to do it or where to go? I did have to get some re startup resources and stuff. Um, let me know. I would love to see more of these around the country. Yeah, that'd be really interesting to know how you coordinated and you know got that vet on board. Like, what were what was the approach that you took to convince them that this was super beneficial and didn't take away from their business? With this one in particular, luckily they already were doing low cost vaccine clinics um, where they were making money. She doesn't charge me anything. She yeah. volunteers her time on this, um, which I bet you she probably can write off on taxes for everybody for sure. that she pays to be there. For sure. So you've got tax write offs for that. It's literally two to three hours of their time. Um, I schedule around them and I've worked with, um, I've had three different clinics that I've gotten on board that I've worked with. And this one has come around to being the easier one to deal with because <laughs> some of them can be a little bit difficult. Um, so I continue to use them, um, but I make it as easy as possible. I have a triplicate form that my city provides. It already has the uh, veterinarian signature on it. So it's right away the rabies certificate. They just have to fill out the information. Um, so we get to give that right away. They don't have any paperwork other than once they get back to the clinic, they have a copy and they can just enter at their leisure. So I do a lot of, I do as much of the work for them as I can. Yeah. I would even think about like, hey, if you want, I will show up at your clinic one day and just, I'll enter all the information myself to save you yeah. a little bit more time. <clears throat> yeah. 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 There, several years ago, Bishop, you may remember this. There was an injection that they were looking into for sterilization for male dogs mm -hmm. do you recall any of that and is that like is that the next next wave is that the movement that we um 
will go to in order to make it more cost effective for people and time i think time effective too time effective but i would question the cost effectiveness it makes sense that it would be cost effective but if you look at like even the rabies vaccine the immunoglobulin the first one you have to get after you've been bit by an animal is seven to ten thousand dollars so I don't know how cost effective it would be. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe it could be cost effective. Well, I would even wonder so one of the reasons that you would want to get your animal neutered, I mean, one, prevent unwanted pregnancies, but then also it reduces the chance of testicular cancer, which mm-hmm. is definitely a possibility. Um and so spaying the, does uh, reduces mammary cancers. Pyometra. Pyometras. Um, there are so many benefits, health benefits. And how do you prove it? How do you prove a vaccine? A neuter? I can, I can look or I can feel the dog's yeah. testicles and know that he's neutered. Yeah. Um, so are we going to start having issues with, because I know there's some jurisdictions that require the spay and neuter of an animal if you have a domestic animal so i would love to have a lower cost option so if we could somehow make that work that would be great i don't think as a society we're there yet but i'm sure it'll probably come for the animals before it does the humans and that's a hot topic right now anyway as far as Mm -hmm. male birth control so there are organizations, um, kind of West Georgia spay neuter is one who has set up a spay neuter clinic. It's just spays and neuters. Um, I believe they do vaccines too, but it's a low cost spay neuter facility and it's high volume. They get them in, get them out. So I feel like truly we are at a point where low cost spay neuters are a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see these clinics popping up. It's, I think a lot of it comes down to a fear of like poaching clients, if you will. So I, I don't get that money if you set up a spay neuter clinic. So vets in a particular area will get together to prevent it. I mean, I've, this is secondhand knowledge. So I don't, I don't know how accurate this is, but I've heard that that is something, that's the reason that my area doesn't have a low cost spay neuter clinic. It's the most selfish and counterproductive thing. Oh, for sure. I'll say this in the aspect of it costs a lot of money to get that doctor degree. I get that. It costs a lot of money to open a business. I get that. But if your main focus and your only focus is on profit, go work in Wall Street, even though it's probably not that profitable. And the most ridiculous part of it is the fact that all of these vets in our area are so backlogged with spay Mm -hmm. neuter surgeries i mean especially after covid all of you know shutdowns and they just got so far behind sure. then all of these animals are reproducing like crazy so there's even more animals that need to be spayed and neutered so it's like are you really losing out on anything well and they've got so many other medical conditions that they can handle mm-hmm. you know you let's put out mange allergies how many or more animals are coming in <clears throat> or allergy shots? And they're not cheap. 
No. I pay $150 for my dog's allergy shots. Cytopoint? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, like, so they can make their... I think part of the other side of that is let's take the Cytopoint, the allergy shot that I'm giving my dog. How much of that is coming from Big Pharma? Sure. And the costs there. So they have to recoup some of their costs to be able to pay Big Pharma. So really it's a trickle down effect, right? We need to start at the top. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is too is Maybe we need, I, I feel like so much of today's discussion is a crossover. Um, we need actual and better healthcare for our dogs as far as insurance. There are animal insurances out there. Not everybody knows about them. And They're so expensive at this point yeah, though. Like they are. I would be better off just paying for everything out of pocket yep. than insuring my dog and it's unregulated and mm-hmm. in the way insurance works really is like it's a pyramid scheme if you work in insurance and you want to argue that please do but like they basically they take your premiums they invest it they mix it around they make money off your money and then they hope that you never have a claim right because that's how they make money and it's my insurance I get it. company hates me it's a <laughs> It's a business, right? I get it. And I'm not knocking the business, but if you understand business, like they make, they have to make money with your money to make it profitable, right? Otherwise it doesn't work. And so I think it, because the pet industry is just so unregulated, right? I had to take my dog in for his ears the other day and uh, they wanted to charge me Bishop. So he has, he has a minor yeast infection in his ears, nothing major. Um, they wanted to charge me $692. <laughs> I love your face. Both of your faces. $692. For some Mometamax? Yeah, so they were like, well, here's the deal. is because like he's not really like happy with us touching his ears. We want to put him all the way under. And we want to then do a deep clean. And we have to like run blood before we put him under. This is the type of shit I'm talking about. Why people don't yeah. go to the vet. Exactly. How like, old is he? He's three. There's no reason he has to have a blood run. I know. <laughs> also, if he's not crazy about the vets or the vet techs, couldn't you just do a deep clean yourself because he probably trusts you a little bit more? And you probably well, know how to do it? I'm, right. Well, so I'm so glad you say that because that's that's the vibe that I got. I was like, and I don't ever want to go in and be like, Hey, I'm Daniel and I'm an animal control officer, so I know how to handle animals, right? However, um, but you do that. Wow. However, um, I thought like for them not like I I know he doesn't love it, but he tolerates it with me, right? Like I'm able to get him to do it. I'm able to get in there, you know, massage the ear around with the with. It's like it was. It, it felt like a. They're just trying to get as much money out of their clients as possible, or B, uh, they just didn't trust me. Which is, it's let's have a conversation, and that that was frustrating. So when I go back, he goes back for his follow up. I'm gonna have a nice conversation with them about um, about it and and see if they're receptive to it. I'm gonna ask them to, and just come from my own curiosity, like, hey, I'm just trying to understand why you felt the need to try to charge me seven hundred or six hundred ninety two dollars. 
And so <clears throat> I have mixed feelings about our vet as far as um, I love the vet, but to get my dog a nail trim because he does have to be sedated, they use a non-narcotic sedation and it will cost me $150 for a nail trim because my dog's an idiot. He doesn't get aggressive. He gets playful and then squirrely and he's 80 pounds of a meat missile. Um, so I have to have him sedated for it. And I kind of want to be like, it's a non-narcotic. Tell me where, just sell me the bottle and I'll do it at home. There's no reversal needed, nothing like. Yeah, you probably get it on Amazon, and that's the type of stuff I'm talking about. Is like, in order to be more inclusive <clears throat> in our communities, we have to find ways to like really. You know, I, I don't want I don't want it to be an environment where veterinarians aren't making a profit, but like, right? There's a balance to that. Well, and the other side to that would be the stress on the animals, if so. I had a cat before he passed that we were like, okay, kidney issues, we should do fluids. The vet looked at me, knows I'm a vet tech, and said, I know you can do this at home. Here's all the stuff. So she just sold me the stuff and let me do it. That would have, had he not immediately 45 minutes later passed, weird situation, um, been a lot less stressful. On my cat, then having to bring him into the vet clinic to get fluids, and that is going to help them heal better and faster. I do kind of see where the vets are coming from, though, because in general, I know it's easy for us to go, "Oh, I've experienced this and that. Like I know how to do this," but in general, most people don't, and they are. I mean, I don't mean this to sound mean, but they are a little clueless when it comes to how to, you know, give these medications or do these things. And so it's, a, I almost wonder if they've gotten to the point where they're like, enough is enough. I'm sick of having people say they know what they're doing and then they don't. And then I have to do triple the work to mm -hmm. fix what they messed up. Right. So then it comes down to like, maybe if you do know what you're doing with your animal, just say it up front and be like, Hey, I can administer this, this, and this. If you can sell it to me, then I know that saves your time. It saves stress on my animal. It saves me time. You know what I mean? Like, is yeah. that something that more people... Well, <clears throat> I wonder too, though, is there potential that there's been a lot of lawsuits for people being like, oh, I was told I could do this at home, but I didn't really... The vet didn't tell me how to. Mm -hmm. And then they sued the vet. Yeah. It, it, which I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, this is all good stuff. And I, I want people to check out your podcast, the Animal Rescue Podcast, available anywhere that you download podcasts. Podcasts. Hey, you know what? That's actually a good, yeah, they are, I mean, pause related. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, so Apple, Spotify, Amazon, uh, Stitcher, or wherever you can get podcasts. Really. Are you also doing YouTube or not yet? So I do YouTube, but only I interpret all of my episodes. So 
Oh, sometimes, how cool is that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes I'll have people like team interpreting them with me. And sometimes it's just me just because it's hard to schedule extra that's, people. But that's um, super cool. Yes. We, 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 where do we find you on, on YouTube? Just the name? Yes. So on YouTube, it's the Animal Rescue Podcast, but the episodes are literally silent. It's just me interpreting the interview. So Still if you want to hear cool. the interview, you have to actually download the episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> Unless, I mean, maybe someone is trying to learn sign language too. Does it? I mean, hey, yeah. If you want to learn sign language through the episodes, please. <laughs> Without audio though, does it caption or no? No, because I would have to do that manually. You had to add the, okay. Oh, yeah. wow. I thought YouTube auto captions, no? So here's the thing with auto captions. You have to be really careful with them, especially YouTube's auto captions. Okay. They, I don't know if you've ever tried to watch them. If you haven't, I suggest it because they are not very good. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Well, this is this has been really informative, and, and we'd love to see a like-minded like podcast out there doing this type of work. I think it's really important when we think about what does animal rescue mean? What does animal control mean? Those things are, you know, community-wise, should all be working together and find, you know, the best outcome for the, the people and the animals. And that's the one thing that I always say. It's this job can't be just one or the other. It has to be right. both. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you – even if people don't think that – if they're not animal people, animal rescue and welfare – is still so hugely important because it's it helps people. So if you only care about people and society, then this is something that you can get behind because the people who actually have the animals and care for them and want to do right by their animals but still need other resources, I mean, it's everything is so intertwined. <clears throat> I can't. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I just, I'm grateful for the opportunities that we get to, to learn more about our industry, to work with our yeah. partners, because ultimately it's a community effort that, you know, and, and I know I joke around a lot and I can seem a certain way, but deep down, like if you were able to cut me open, uh, I think you would see that like my heart's definitely in the right place. Um, yeah. You know, I, uh, Oh, I thought you were going to say you're furry. a weird turn well don't forget to nominate your aco and agency of the year you can do that at the um you can just go to our website keepithumane.com forward slash animal control report nominations are due by november 1st have to be a minimum of 500 words and uh, it'll, it'll be good uh, we're really looking forward to it uh, just want to give back to our community because we know it's a thankless job and, and want to do it in a way that you don't have to have a membership or pay anything to do it just Go to the website, nominate your peeps, and let's get some people uh, the, the, the reward that they deserve. Yes. And Bishop, you got anything following? No. Keisha, you got anything following? No. Okay. Well, this has been great. Check out our – also check out our social medias like we always talk about, Keep It Humane and the Animal Control Report. So you can find those on Instagram, Facebook. And TikTok, I always I always want to say Tinder, and it's not. We're not on there. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the T. It's your personal stuff, Dan. It's the T, the TikTok, the Tinder. It just they they just roll off the tongue similarly. I feel like it's a Freudian slip there. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not on. No, I'm not on Tinder. Um, but I am like dating apps. They're the worst thing on the planet. And like, especially hold it before we go. I'm gonna just end y'all with this. 
so here's the thing i've been single for a while now and like i've tried dating it's just like in our profession it's hard i had somebody just recently uh we met on hinge maybe? tinder no i don't do tinder we <laughs> met on we met on hinge and they like they knew like i worked with animals and then like i get this message and they're like, so I'm severely allergic to animals and I have to carry an EpiPen. I just don't think that this this would work out. And I'm like, that's cool and all if that's actually the case. But I feel like it's not the case. But I feel like if you like decide maybe just looking at photos, because that, you know, a lot of people like once they match, they go back and they like do all this, you know. And so now they're like, eh, I just don't think that that's going to just be honest. Be like, hey. Like, I don't, I don't think you're somebody that, uh, um, or do what most people do on these dating apps and just ghost. ghost. Yeah. How do you know that Bishop? You're not, you're married, yo. Cause you ghost me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Things are getting real. Um, and then <laughs> wait, wait. And then before we go, I got to leave y'all with this. Cause you, you got to hear this story. Um, so I'm like talking to this one person and this is hinge again. And we're chatting and they're like, so you currently don't drink? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just taking a, a hiatus. It's just not something that I'm, I'm doing at this time. You know, not saying I'll, I won't ever drink again. And they were like, you know, it's really important to me to have a partner that when I'm at home cooking a meal and we're just hanging out in the kitchen that like we can make a couple mixed drinks and just hang out and have fun together. And so she was like, sorry, uh, this is just not going to work out. And I was like, damn, I just got this by an alcoholic. <laughs> Wow. Okay. All right. So the online dating's hard, yo. Hey, you know what? At least the red flags were there and she was waving them brightly. Man. <laughs> she was waving her DUI brightly. Okay. Oh, <laughs> thanks again for joining us. Thanks for going down that road of me and my dating life. It's fine. That's, that's how we... oh, thanks for having me. You know what? It's fun. It's yeah. a fun way to spend a day. It is a fun way to spend a day. And you're, you know, if you ever have anything you want to make announcements or want us to post, uh, please share those and we'll get those on our websites, our socials, and even talk about them on the show. So as always, we say thanks for listening and keep it, keep it humane, humane. humane. <laughs>